Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dog Backwards, where we look at life, faith, and theology from a different angle. And we are videoing this from a different angle today. We are in a studio, which uh, church was nice enough to let us use. And I am doing this take for the second time. The first time I might have sounded a little angry, and I don't want this to be angry, but it should anger us a little bit. And uh, if you want to know why, because the subject for today is, what does it look like when God judges the church? And I think this is an important question because I think we might kind of be under the judgment of God right now. Now, why would I say that? Like Christianity is exploded all over the world and we do so many good things, which these things are true, but we also do things like this. An angel just showed up right now. He just showed up behind me right now. Uh, he, yeah, this is for right real. now. Yeah, this okay. is for real. I don't do fake. My guest operates under the same shaft of heavenly light or portal that Jesus walked under. He says it's available to all believers. Now, so I was sent back from the dead to to talk about the things that I saw and heard in heaven. And one of the truths that I I was given there is that God wanted to be in our finances and that he wanted to unhook us from the world system. So Jesus showed me if you go back to the earth, tell people that the Holy Spirit wants to lead them and that when he leads them, their way will succeed, which means there will be prosperity involved with that because God doesn't want you stolen from. He doesn't want you to have less than what you should have. And you may wonder why I'm doing something different than I've ever done before. My hand is behind my back. It's because Dr. Candace is a seer. And as a seer, she said, there is a big angel behind me. And if I would put my hand behind my back, I would feel the angel's presence. And not only that, the same glory that is on that angel is being transferred to me right now. I would like you to travel with me, Dr. <laughs> Candace, and just tell me when I should put my hand behind my back. What would you do if God told you to literally beat the hell out of someone? Find out what my guest did next. He takes the baby, two-month-old, throws the baby against the wall. <laughs> the baby. Then the baby's on the floor. He have you ever seen someone play soccer? Have you ever seen them uh, kick a soccer ball? He does that with the baby. The baby falls into the congregation. No crying. Is it dead? 100% healed. No problem. How would you like to have your own personal access code to unlock the supernatural? The code is next. My guest has been to heaven and to hell. Okay, so if you just watch that collection of clips and you're thinking to yourself, dear Lord, save us now, that's the right attitude to have. And apparently, according to that last clip where he drop kicks a baby in order to heal it, um, 
what if somebody believed that? Like I had a kid that we had to take to the hospital not too long ago, but what if somebody who had a sick kid had watched this program and actually believed that stuff? Now, most of those clips, they come from a YouTube channel and a TV uh, channel, and it's called Sid Roth's It's Supernatural. And every week, he has on a special guest who has a book to sell, and it's usually like, I went to heaven, or I went to hell, or God gave me this, or God told me that, and they have a special revelation. And there's even one where he's like, and I saw a man turn into a bat, and just some really crazy stuff. If you watch that and you have kind of the same yucky gut reaction I do to that stuff, imagine how God feels about that stuff. How does God deal with people who teach these kind of things? And just so you know, it's not fringe. It's not like this stuff is out there on the outside. This has become mainstream. Like the guy Sid Roth, his YouTube channels got like almost 1.5 million subscribers. That's no small feat. That's hard to do. And his TV show is broadcast all over the world. In fact, there, there was a um, African pastor who recently said that the greatest export from America is the prosperity gospel. And he said that as a plea because he was a Bible-believing pastor and he's being bombarded, his people are being bombarded with this kind of prosperity gospel garbage. Now, I know it's really easy to be critical of these kind of things. It's really easy to like look at Benny Hinn or some of these guys that are on TV and we go, that's stupid. Who believes that? And if you believe it, then, well, you get what's coming to you. The problem is in these third world countries, where they maybe have six television channels. Guess which channel is on there? The Christian Broadcasting Network, playing rerun after rerun of Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, and It's Supernatural with Sid Roth. These guys are pumped into the homes of the most economically wrecked countries in the world, and these guys are on there living this incredible lifestyle with several private jets, telling these poor people, the problem is, is you haven't given Jesus enough money. If you would give me, send to our ministry a $10, $100 seed offering, God's going to return it tenfold to you. And this happens all the time. I recently watched one Oh, this guy says, unless you've, if you've never given $10,000, then you're not experiencing all that God has for you. And he even encouraged people to put it on their credit card because it was going to be a level of breakthrough like they had never experienced before. Now imagine the people at home who watch this and actually send in money. Do you think their life is good? Do you think they have good health if they're home in the middle of the afternoon and they're watching some crusade where uh, a prosperity preacher is saying, I feel like God is telling me right now, if you would give $500, your arthritis would be gone. And that lady that's sitting in a recliner, she's been there for you know several years because her bones just hurt so much she can't move. She goes, oh my gosh, God's talking to me. She gets her checkbook out. She barely had enough for food last week, but you know what? She's going to use every little last bit of her savings. She's going to write that check and send it in. What, what about people that buy these books about someone going to heaven, someone going to hell? Here's how to download God's spiritual plan for your life. I know how we feel about that. And I know how, as a pastor, I'm called 
to deal with that. And I think part of the problem is we haven't dealt with it. So I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is the epicenter of all of this stuff, right? It's one of the core locations where this kind of teaching is uh, training pastors and sending them all over the world, literally all over the world. You think Mormons have a lot of missionaries? You ought to see the prosperity gospel missionaries because all of them are trying to get rich. For each person, they can go out and get enough people under them, enough people to believe them. They're going to make all this money. But Titus 1.9, let me just turn there real quick. Titus 1.9 actually says that your pastor and me as a pastor are supposed to be vocal about this stuff. This is Titus 1.9. He says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Now, hopefully your pastor does that. Hopefully your pastor is able to give you sound doctrine and instruction from God's word, but that's not all he's supposed to do. And also to rebuke those who contradict it. So I know sometimes it can seem like on this podcast that we might be overly critical of the prosperity gospel church. And I use prosperity because I'm not talking just charismatics. I'm charismatic with a seatbelt, right? Like I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in healing. I believe in miracles. But there is a large, large, in fact, it's going to become the dominant form of Christianity that the world knows if we don't stop it. There's a large section of so-called Christians who are propagating absolutely atrocious things in the name of God. And your pastor, one of his job requirements is to publicly call these things out so that they stop. And I think, I think because we haven't done that is why we are seeing what we are seeing. So if the idea is for like kind of the subject for this podcast today is what would it look like if God judged the church? Like what would that look like? And I think we get a clue, an idea of what that looked like if you read the book of Jeremiah. Now, one of the reasons the Old Testament is so important because it's not just what happened, it's what is happening. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. And so the same issues that the nation of Israel saw, we see. So if you read Jeremiah, I encourage you to get a highlighter. And uh, every time God calls the nation of Israel a whore, just highlight that in your Bible, and by the end, you'll be on your third or fourth highlighter. My favorite one is he says, you have the forehead of a whore, which I just enjoy saying. I probably enjoy it so much it's sinful. Um, But uh, the forehead of a whore, and I had to ask somebody what that meant, because I'm like, what does that mean? And I, I think it has to do with they're not walking around with their head down. like They're walking around like they're proud of all their sinfulness. Well, the people that are over the nation of Israel, they, they have prophets. And these prophets are prophesying over the nation, but instead of correcting them, they're filling them full of just things that aren't true. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 16, it says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. 
They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say no disaster shall come upon you. So let's break that down because there's a couple of things going on. You have quote unquote prophets and the first things they do, uh, they fill you with vain hopes. God wants to bless you, brother. You are not meant to be poor. God's riches are going to rain down on you, right? It's giving you all these promises. That, like, you know what? I am a special butterfly. I am God's special butterfly. There's the verse that says, um, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And like, a, like, a, <laughs> like girls get that verse tattooed on them or it's on the cop. I am beautifully and wonderfully made, right? And it's true. You are God's masterpiece, but if you're a masterpiece, so is everybody else, right? So we're all masterpieces, so it's kind of hard to brag about owning the Mona Lisa if everyone has a copy of the Mona Lisa, right? Um, but we, we like verses that just, oh, I'm special. I'm God's special butterfly. And instead of when your life has gone to garbage because of the sinfulness of your own heart and somebody should actually tell you that, instead they're an enabler. So these are spiritual enablers of people's heathen activity. That's what they're doing. They're just filling them with just vanity, vanity. There's a couple other things they do. This one I find really fascinating. It says they speak visions of their own minds. A lot of cults have been started from people who claim to have visions. Uh, Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, all these people they received a special revelation from God. And so they, they equate it on par with Scripture. Whatever I'm, This is why always be careful not to say, hey, God told me to tell you. This is how this prosperity stuff has entered into the mainstream American church, right? Even the conservative Bible-believing churches, people do this all the time, and we just need to be aware of it so we can be careful of it. But they'll say things like, hey, God told me to tell you. When I was a youth pastor, there would be like a boy who'd walk up to a girl and be like, you know, God told me that we're supposed to get married someday. What situation does that put that girl in? That, that's like called spiritual manipulation, where just because you got a crush on this girl and you're really convinced that this is what God wants, look, if you're convinced it's that what God wants, fine. I'm going to say, hey, you can go and say like, man, I really feel like there might be a future for us. And I almost feel like God has laid that on my heart, but I, but stress that I could be wrong. Because if you say, God told me, then that girl either has to say, well, if God told him, then I better obey regardless of how I felt. Because anything that you say where you say, God told me, you have put it on the same level of authority as scripture. It's the same level of authority. What, what is the difference between God told you and God told the prophets? What's the difference? Now, in the Old Testament, if somebody was wrong, and the same is true for the New Testament, if they were wrong once, they're considered a false prophet, and they should be ignored and not feared. So if you've been wrong even once about what you thought God was telling you, and you told somebody that, you're a false prophet. That's scary. I don't want to be a false prophet. So I just say that just be careful when you use that kind of language, because this is one of the ways it's creeped into the church. Um, in that clip that we watched, how many people had visions? Everybody has a vision. I had this vision. It's really hard to disprove a vision, isn't it? Right? Like, it was in, they made these claims. I was in heaven. Well, hey, I'm just going to say, my first gut instinct is, no, you weren't. Um, I think you're lying. 
you might have a mental problem. Like Sid Roth's It's Supernatural, it gives just an open door to people with delusions of grandeur. Like these people need a psychiatrist, not a book deal. And then it keeps going. Um, they speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually those who despise the word of the Lord. Now catch this. People who hate God, these prophets say, you're okay. You're okay. This is Joel Olstein, right? Joel Olstein's asked about cults. He's asked about Mormonism, things like that. You know, I think they're my brothers and sisters too. Really? Really? Because in Mormonism, God is just a man from another planet, and he has uh, a wife that has spiritual babies for eternity, and that's what propagates earth. And if you're a good Mormon, you can have your own world someday that you're the God of, literally this thing that satan promised adam and eve right like you you can be your own god this is what mormonism does um and here you have somebody saying no they're okay that's what they're doing in jeremiah people who hate the word of god are being told god loves you god god's got a special plan for your life right um and then lastly it says uh and to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart they say no disaster shall come upon you it's the removal of God's judgment from that person's life in the name of God. Hey, you can do whatever the hell you want. God's not going to touch you. He loves everything you do. This basically just makes you God. So do you notice any correlation between what Jeremiah is dealing with and then what the church might be currently dealing with today? Let me give you um, one more here. Um, it's Jeremiah... What is it? 6.14. Jeremiah 6.14. And you notice, I, I always, like, when we have these kind of discussions, normally I'm doing an interview with somebody because I'm tired of hearing myself talk, right? I'm a preacher. I hear myself, my voice uh, all the time, and I would much rather interview somebody else. But we want to always use Scripture as our foundation, and we want to do it in context, but Jeremiah 14 is talking about these false prophets that Jeremiah is having to deal with. It says, They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. So there's a theme, apparently, from these false prophets that Jeremiah is having to deal with. Um, they just keep saying everything's great. This is what the word of faith and prosperity gospel do. Everything in your life is great. You're wonderful. God loves you regardless of uh, the level of idolatry in your heart right now. No harm shall come upon you. But we do know that God actually judges sinfulness in the life of Christians, right? Like he corrects us, he disciplines us, and he judges the unbelievers. So, I just want to know if this pattern kind of fits what Jeremiah is going, and we're nowhere near where Jeremiah was. Right? You know that verse, Jeremiah 29 11, that everybody has on their coffee mug about the great plans God has for your life? It's talking about Jeremiah the prophet, and God's plans for his life were to basically try to correct everybody for his entire life, and not a single person is going to repent. Not a single person is going to get saved. It's going to get so bad that God is basically going to allow the nation of Israel to get destroyed, and he's going to save a small remnant of people so he can start over, right? Like, that's Jeremiah. It drives him nuts. You might have remembered the last podcast we had where we interviewed Chris Roseborough, who like listens to this stuff every day. And it led him to depression. 
And it can happen. It's what happens to Jeremiah. Jeremiah about goes insane because he's like, God, nobody is listening. Everybody loves their whoredom. And he's like, I know. I didn't call you to be the rich, successful, um, fruitful prophet. I just called you to be obedient. I just called you to do what you're supposed to do. Um, now, the connection I made f- from reading Jeremiah here lately is that in Romans, God deals with the sexual sin that is going on by turning them over to their own desires, right? He's just going to allow them to do what they want to do. And is it possible? I don't know for sure, but is it possible? The reason the prosperity gospel is growing so exponentially is because God has just turned the church over to what they wanted to do, right? Like that God has just said, look, you guys keep saying that you want money like you just want to be just like the world right you want to be like the world you want to be rich you want to be famous you want to have all that stuff and you keep trying to use me to do it you know what i've corrected you i've corrected you i cr- i gave you john macarthur you didn't listen to him right nobody hates the prosperity gospel more than john macarthur and he's like and you're not listening to any of these people i send you so okay how about it see where this goes and so it is just growing exponentially and I say that because it could be our fault. It could be, it could be my fault. It could be your fault that this is happening. We are not people of the word. When I was growing up, the term Bible thumper was used in kind of a derogatory way that we would just beat people over the head with our Bible. But in some ways, it's a good term because it meant we knew our Bible. We carried our Bible with us. We had read it front and back. As a kid, I'd participate in a thing called Bible drill, which was teaching kids where all the verses were. And it was like a speed race to find the verse and you got to reward. Like, we don't do that anymore. The, The vast majority of Christians will settle for the smallest morsel of biblical truth that makes them feel good and ignore the fact that there is a buffet of God's goodness behind them, but they might have to actually deal with their own sin to have ownership of it. And we don't want that. We want to go to church and feel good. I just want to go to church. I want to, I love this song. This is my favorite song. I'm just going to work. There's all my friends. But sometimes you need to go to church, and the pastor needs to say, like, uh, there's a bunch of idols in your heart that are leading to your spiritual I don't know, like some churches, it's just Novocaine for the soul, right? It just gives you a little shot, makes you go numb where you don't feel good or bad. You just did your part that Sunday morning. Now, half the kids that grew up in church don't even go to church anymore because you just get tired of being spoon-fed baby food. And so I think one of the things that God wants to call us back to is good, sound, biblical wrestling, like, it's not easy to understand the Bible on a deep level. Like, you got to wrestle with it. But there's a promise to those people in Jeremiah that if they would repent, here's what God was going to give them. Check this out, because I think this is pretty cool. Jeremiah 3.15. Now, if these people who have just, just made a brothel of all the things of God, He says, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with two things, knowledge and understanding. 
I watch a lot of sermons online of other churches and I get very little knowledge and understanding. What I do is I, I get like a hype team. I get really good audio video team. I get an incredible band that is paid really well, you know, to be there every Sunday. Um, you get a lot of that stuff. But if you listen to the sermon, it's about what God's going to do for you. It's about how great you are. You're about to overcome the next thing. And then the prosperity gospel takes it even further where it's not even really about God anymore. It's like God is mentioned, but he's only mentioned as the genie who's going to grant what you want. God doesn't want you to be sick anymore. You claim that freedom from that sickness right now. God doesn't want you to struggle. You're going to be the boss. You're going to be the CEO. If you're having a hard time at your job, you just claim prosperity in Jesus' name, and God's going to make you the CEO of that company. It's all about God's going to do all this stuff for you. This, I hate to tell you that, but that's not biblical. It's not in there. It's not what Christianity is about. So here's a quick, easy rule, right? So if something is said that can't be applied to Jesus, don't believe it. Did Jesus become uh, <laughs> rich and prosperous from teaching his teachings? No, they killed him. What about the disciples? The disciples become rich and prosperous from uh, following the message of Jesus. No, all but the apostle John was killed and he died in Patmos on an island as a form of imprisonment. So you're making up rules that exclude Jesus as what it means to be a good Christian. The disciples were not healthy, especially when they were martyred. They were not prosperous in a worldly sense. But there's a form of prosperity that's far better than financial. It's called obedience. That's what, there's a verse that says, Jesus says, if you love me, obey what I command. I hate the words obey and command. I hate them. I have a rebel heart. I, I, I hate that. If you want me to do the opposite of something, just like, hey, I need you to obey what I'm commanding you to do. And I'm like, I'm going to do the opposite. I just don't like those words. But when God tells us that, he's showing how we speak his love language, how we express that, because he's trying to remind us how we were designed to live. There's a couple of things I think we can take from this. One, is your pastor doing all that Titus 1.9 said? If not, go to him and be like, hey, um, especially if he's in Oklahoma, would you spend a little bit of time warning your flock about the false teachers and the prosperity gospel? Because my church is surrounded by prosperity gospel churches. And if I don't warn my people they won't realize the language that they're hearing is actually demonic, right? That it's just full of garbage. If they don't, aren't on their guard, and it's my job to warn them about what a wolf in sheep's clothing looks like. You understand that's camouflage, right? Like they're hard to point out because they're a wolf, but they have sheep camo on. So it's not always easy to spot. It's the pastor's job to help people build their level of discernment. I think here in a podcast coming up, we're just going to watch a sermon and pause it and kind of break it down from time to time so that you can, I really want, and if anything else, this whole podcast exists to help you develop that uh, discernment muscle. It's a muscle that you have to exercise. And once you do it for a little bit, you're like, that's garbage, that's garbage, that's garbage, that's garbage, that's good, that's gold. Oh, that's going to, that's going to help me right? There's nothing more beautiful than reading the Bible and feeling like garbage afterwards because it's showing you where you can grow. A church that never makes you feel like garbage might not be a church. It might be a whorehouse.
So teach your children how to read the Bible. Teach them the whole narrative so they can spot these patterns. Thank you guys for checking out Dog Backwards Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can support this channel by liking, subscribing, sharing, YouTube, iTunes, whatever it is. You know the drill because everybody says it on every podcast. But I have a book. And instead of doing any of that, if you would like to support financially, buy a book. Um, I don't even know how much it is anymore. I haven't bought one in a long time. But you can go to calebmore.tv and purchase it on there. It's called The Disappearing Garden, How to Survive Babylon When You Were Made for Egypt. Uh, Eden. I don't even know what my own book is called. I think it's a good book, though. I liked it. Um, Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later.